Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the AEW Rampage Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dadly Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to review this week's episode of AEW Rampage. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review this is Rampage, baby, <laughs> but, it's, but also AEW Dynamite, and our offering out, Smackdown, and NXT. As well as pay-per-views and premium live events, we have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a very good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Sidgwick to review AEW Rampage. And I don't really know how to feel about this show because it felt like it was a really enjoyable show, but also one where they knew they were going to get screwed over by the time slot, etc., yeah. etc. Et I had kind of the opposite feeling. I didn't feel like I watched a very good show. I think I watched a show with some very good wrestling on it. That was very difficult to feel anything for. I'm worried about this podcast. As soon as I watched the show, I was like, oh, God, how can I talk for 20 minutes about this? Because I have got the exact same take for the last two matches. Like, <laughs> legitimately the exact same opinion, feeling, analysis whatever, just I'm going to say the exact same thing twice. We'll try it. We'll, maybe we'll think of a game halfway through <laughs> to try and keep you on the hook to get that mid-roll money. But no, um, I don't want to hype anything up that doesn't deserve to be hyped, nor do I want to piss on that something just because, you know, that might make for quote-unquote better, more engaging content. But yeah, these the last two matches, I've got the exact same opinion. Stick around to find out. <laughs> It's surreal, isn't it? And I, I you know, I realise that it's, uh, you know, it's filmed after Dynamite, and especially, you know, these recent ones where they knew they were going out like bloody three p.m. in the afternoon or something. You're not going to put CM Punk versus, you know, Hangman Page for the title on on the Rampage. But it's it's so surreal how I watch this show and I go, well, that was fine. It was, it was good. It was better than you know, fine, and yet. I'm just like, yeah, we'll go in and talk about it. And we had a bit of lunch earlier, and we're like, yeah, we'll go in and talk about it. Whereas, like, when Dynamite happens, we're like, right, what has the fastest we can get into this studio and start talking about it and debating and, and you know, waxing lyrical about some of the stuff that happens on it. Yeah, again, not to repeat what exactly we said on the preview, but the idea is they are getting bounced around the schedule 
on Rampage, baby. So <laughs> it's just a show that kind of exists. And, you know, normally there's stuff to be interested in, title matches, own matches, matches with stakes. Um, but ultimately what they've done is they've made these dynamites last week and this week, what promise, what it promises to be anyway, absolutely stacked and Rampage is just going to be there mm. because no one's going to really watch it and it's not worth their time and as a result, not really worth mine. But churlish to complain considering how awesome Dynamite mm. is, but what you'll get is the... Absolutely, I was bounced off the walls with how good Dynamite was. If you want a positive review, listen to that again. Mm. I'm like, it, this is television that's not made to make me bounce off the walls. Mm, indeed. Uh, before we start, though, I should uh, give a shout out to Jake, 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 aka yeah. Jake C. Laycock uh, on Twitter. Who and I missed this uh, over the weekend, but thankfully my my esteemed colleague Michael Cedric pointed out to me that a new Rampage theme has just dropped. Uh, this is Rampage, baby. And uh, if you want to go and check that out, at Jake C. Laycock on Twitter. Some spectacular work, this. That's genuinely great. I've been campaigning since about the first month that they need to change this. And I know a part of it is when you watch it on Fight TV in the UK with your paid membership, Mm -hmm. um, it's the weirdest thing because they just do dynamite. Mostly every match is uninterrupted. More often than not, you don't get to see a great deal because it's during the advert. Sometimes you get Phoenix and Dante Martin not caring about it. But it's fine. You'd rather watch it in picture-in-picture than hear the Dynamite theme tune for like three solid minutes. (laughs) Oh, God, yeah. But when you watch it on Fight TV in the UK, you just get right. Sometimes you're going to get like, oh, my God, it's a double rotation moonsault. And then mid-second rotation, it was hard cut to, this is Rampage, baby. (laughs) And you just, why? (laughs) Just show me the match. Yeah. I think the only thing is, yeah, there's one of the ad breaks, isn't there, uh, where I think they go from picture in picture to the last 30 seconds of that ad break is just a full-on ad. So I don't know how it works, I, but I it's so... Hate, I hate yeah. the Rampage theme so much. It haunts me. I listen to it on a loop more than I ever need to do. I always misjudge how long it's going to be. So either I have to listen to it because I haven't fast-forwarded it enough, or I've fast-forwarded so quickly that I've missed something, mm-hmm. so I have to go back, and when I rewind back, it's just Rampage Baby. It's like, oh, for God, it's like I'm in a Mobius strip of Rampage Baby. I can, like, I, I, honestly, I think on a Saturday morning, because I don't watch it live because it's on a ridiculous, even half ten, it's like, everyone's yeah. like, oh, you can watch it in, in a normal time. Not really, because I've been working all week, and I've got two kids. So I'm going to go to sleep at <laughs> nine o'clock, half nine, yeah. and I'm going to watch it early on a Saturday morning. And because of this, this is Rampage Baby, Fast forward through this. Oh, I've missed too much. Rewind. This is Rampage. I think I hear this is Rampage, baby, like for 15 minutes. All told, I think it goes 15 minutes of this is Rampage. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, God damn it. Uh, anyway, well, let's dive into Rampage, baby. With the Butcher and the Blade and Mark Quinn versus. And obviously, you know, I'm not criticizing the artist. It's not my. Thing, but it obviously doesn't sound like this is Rampage Baby. That's just <laughs> Willborn's version of it. But they're one of the same now. They yeah, are exactly. one of the same. So I can't. You know, it's like one can't unsee and can't unhear. I can't unhear you. There was a, there was you a, haunt my Saturday mornings. There was a bit where uh, our viewing habits have really affected me. I think it was when God, this is showing my age. They're like, were they called the Social Outcasts with like Bo Dallas and and what's his name in Curtis Axel? Yeah, 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 yeah. I only ever watched them on Double Speed, obviously, because they were on Raw and they were jobbers and they were just used as that. And then on one 
pay-per-view, they had a t- they had some sort of match. And I was watching it, and they came out, and I thought I'd like accidentally gone on tranquilizers or something, because it's the first time I'd heard their theme yeah. at a normal speed. And I was like, what's going on? Why are they... It's just such a such a surreal experience. But yeah, now it is officially Mepe, baby. Uh, which started with Butcher Blade and Mark Quinn versus Death Triangle. Uh, congratulations to the Butcher and the Blade, by the way. The Sports Entertainers of the Week, according to Chris Jericho, who uh, early on gave out that award and threatened to fireball anyone who questioned him on commentary. Brilliant stuff. He's a magician. He's a wizard. He's a wizard, sorry. What a, why did he give it to them so quickly? I feel like he knew that they were losing, so he's like, well, I've got to get this in before. Yeah. This match is going 10 minutes, and I can't get it in in the last three, so I'll just... Uh, straight away, Butcher and the Blade, congratulations. We've got the graphic. So that's a kind of, like, meta- Plus, I suppose they're in a match with Death Triangle, so, you know, like... Well, later on, Ray Phoenix is going to be doing some mad bollocks that no one's going to be looking at the, the bottom of the screen for his yeah. little award. So he's like, someone's in a chin lock. Quick, do the awards. It just struck me as so funny how he awarded it so quickly this week. If I was being very generous, there's some kind of meta commentary on how Vince just automatically likes big guys and Jericho sees Butcher and just thinks, sports entertainment of the yeah. week. Sports entertainment of the year, actually. <laughs> wait. No, no, I can't wait. Put him over, put him over, give him the belt. Ah, actually, I'm bored after three weeks. <laughs> Maybe. It was just the oddest thing. Yes. I wasn't, it was quite wacky and amusing, but weird. Uh, we've got some great stuff from Death Triangle, as you would expect. Pat coming off the top, shotgun dropkick to Butcher, who uh, tags him. What do you think of Mark Quinn's new uh, new look, by the way? Weird. <laughs> That's all I've seen from people. Not necessarily saying it's good, it's bad. They're just going, well, this is different. Because he's always had a unique hairstyle, it's fair to say. But now he's added the facial hair game to it all. Yeah, it's it's one of those where I feel a little bit like the opposite of what they are trying to do. They're trying to catch my eye and to appear like stars. He's trying to look like just a healed asshole with a stupid beard. But he meant to go, oh, God. Like, not too dissimilar to what the Young Bucks were doing last summer. Yeah, when that they, was, like, jazzed it all up. Yeah, it was and, yeah. glorious. When I see someone, not the Young Bucks, because that was in character, they were just basically becoming, like, parodies of themselves and just the biggest dickheads they could possibly be. When I see someone who's not on telly, right? The Young Bucks didn't have to do this. It was just a, a little accompaniment to their act. Mm. When I see someone who's not on telly do something ridiculous with their hair, facial hair, or attire, and it looks so much like they are trying to catch my eye, my eye doesn't get caught. Like, my brain starts to think, well, you kind of you want to make an impression you're here. You're trying too hard. Yeah, you're trying too hard, and you're trying to make, kind of make yourself look like a dickhead to try and, like, steal focus in the scene you're in because... Your, your next one could be in six weeks, given mm. the rotational booking policy. Yeah, he's trying. Yes. It's, I mean, a far better facial hair than I could ever pull off, so fair play to him. Um, so, yes, uh, Phoenix comes in. He gets caught with a step at Porrican Rana by Mark Quinn, who, uh, regardless of his facial hair, is still in between the ropes. Uh, Phoenix hits a tornado, arm drag, double stomp on Quinn. Uh, but then as he goes to hit the ropes, Butcher just opens them, and Phoenix goes flying through them. Um, and they take control as we go to a break. When we come back, Phoenix is stuck in a front chancery by Blade, and Quen hits him with a 450 splash that Pack has to come in and break up the pinfall. So Quen uh, hits uh, Pack and and Penter on the floor with a, an assisted top rope moonsault. Butcher nails Ray Phoenix with a lariat. That gets a near fall. But Phoenix comes back. Counters a suplex with a knee, rolling Hurricane Rana, back heel kick, and then they cut to the crowd, and Kyler Riley's there. 
licking his yeah, pencil, making his notes. Daft for this. This is how you. Steal they caught ten- like twice to him, and he was doing the same thing both times. And I still went. Bah! He looks like he's got like a quill, and he's about to write some magnum opus. <laughs> Emissive. Yeah, or he's got some like real like like Sherlock Holmes with a huge yes. investigation. <laughs> yes. This is how you steal focus in a scene. This is how you make a murder. And this is what you do with Carl O'Reilly. Yes, exactly. Just these little tiny irreverent moments. This is I was popped my tits off for this. Uh, so Penner gets the hot tag. Baby faces take over as a result of it. Pack uh, hits a load of kicks on Quen, and then there's some. Uh, snap German suplexes. There's one where he suplexes him and he looks like he might have been pinned, but the angle of the suplexes ended up that Quen's just tangled in the ropes and barely even realizes what's going on. Uh, Penner and Phoenix hit the fear factor and take out Butcher and Blade uh, with dives and Pack hits the black arrow on Quen. One, two, three, but this is arguably more about the post-match because post-match the lights go down, they come up, and the House of Bleg are there to confront Death Triangle before very quickly disappearing. Yeah, Fine, they're going to do a double or nothing, and I'm, it's been about eight years. Just get to the point a little bit. I don't hate the idea of the match. In fact, I think it's fantastic. Oh, but I think they've run out of road in terms of the story they can tell. They've done the thing where they're threatened to emerge from the shadows, and then Death Triangle, in fact, one-up them, and now it's just get to the match. I thought this was very, very good indeed, and then I had a lot of fun watching it, and it was the highlight of the show, I think. Yes. Kyle O'Reilly helped enormously with his absolute boy-popping antics on the outside. I would describe this match as so fun and action-packed that there was never a chance really to register that the fans are never on that dynamite level of being awake and up for it because they were literally given so much to shout about. Um it's probably one better worked match, but the crowd just weren't as into it. So this, for me, was the highlight. Phoenix and Mark Wen, give them a singles match. Their, their sequences looked absolutely incredible. Like, so fluid and yet ambitious, where it felt like, I don't understand how this hasn't fallen apart because you're trying to do so much um, with your bodies and you're trying to rotate them so quickly, but it never felt overtly choreographed, which, for example, Phoenix versus Dante Martin did but I still liked it. This felt like strategizing for the advantage as opposed to just like flexing and showing off your like incredible athleticism. I just love these sequences. But my favorite, again, part of this match was the Butcher. The Butcher's got this new thing that he does, and he's so underrated, and he's evolving into such a great pro wrestler that the fact that he's banished to Rampage a lot, which is not anywhere near as much buzz or discourse about, means mm-hmm. a lot of this has been lost. He does this thing where he can just drag people into the barricade before they've even struck it. You will yank them back against the apron to stop chopping them to death. His new thing is like warp speed big man spots. <laughs> he does like, he does everything a big man does, throwing people in the barricades, chopping people. And yet he does what big men do during the break at warp speed. And it looks like people are just helpless a guy who's just killing you very quickly. Uh, the Butcher rules. I absolutely love The Butcher. Lots to enjoy about this match. Um, not on the level of the very best AEW's trios matches, but it was so action-packed, and there's so many individual nice moments where each wrestler did their own sort of thing, but did it very well with no fuss whatsoever. I just had a lot of fun watching this because it didn't try to be anything other than an action-packed, not-too-long undercard attraction on a show that is inessential but fun. This captured the vibe of a underwatched rampage that's mm. been taped, whereas another match on this card, which we'll get to later, sought for like a dynamite main event, Gravitas, which just never was achieved. 
And just nice to see Alex Abrahantes next. Not looking like a complete geek. Because I haven't had a chance to mention that in the in the in the interim. I've missed a few dynamites, and I think the one where he returned to being the guy that I, I really enjoyed as part of Death Triangle alongside Penta. It's yeah, that's the guy I need. Yeah, the mega fans will forgive me for this take. So I wrote it in an article. Just bemoaning the very state of Alex Abrahantes. Alex Abrahantes, and now it's finished. But for a while, he was like the kid who really likes Halloween to the point where deep into November, he's still wearing his outfit <laughs> and the parents are just too exhausted to say here, yeah, like, it's not Halloween anymore. Can you not take <laughs> it off because a tantrum could ensue? Like, I hate spoopy season. Spoopy. Oof. And yeah, so he's very spoopy. And I, it's just, he feels like that kid who no one has got the energy to say, look, it's not Halloween anymore. Um, it's a bit silly, and in fact, I'm a bit nervous now that if you're going into nursery wearing your Halloween stuff, that all the other kids are going to go, oh, it's Halloween all the time, we can dress like this. It's like, no, you can't. It's a set time when you can be distracted for a day with this, and uh, it ends in November, <laughs> and Alex Abrahantas, no one told him, because it's just, you'd rather walk into nursery in the princess outfit on the child and just say, yeah, right, okay, I'm, I'm obviously a bad parent, but I can't be bothered to set rules. I'm tired. That, that's Alex <laughs> Abrahantis. Uh, then we got a, a squash match that didn't quite go the way we anticipated on the preview. We said it was going to be a straightforward, oh, look, Sean Spears can defeat a big guy, so look, wonder what he's going to do when he fast to face Wardlow, who is it? This the lashings this week, isn't it? Not the steel yeah, cage. Yeah, yeah. More I've on got that. a great fantasy booking idea for that, but we'll get to it on the preview on Wednesday. Oh, I can't wait for that. Um, so, yes, Sean Spears comes out, and uh, it feels like he'd listened to the preview beforehand because he was just like, well, this is a foregone conclusion. Um, and then he tried some, you know, some early offense, and it's fair to say, Bear Boulder went, it's not going to be that easy, yeah. mate. He just caught him, and there's just Sean Spears' brilliant facials, as always. Uh, Spears gets him in the corner and goes to do the 10 punches and hasn't learned from earlier on. He gets grabbed by the throat and powered into the corner by Bear Boulder. But as Boulder goes for the 10 punches, Sean Spears goes for his eyes. The referee doesn't see it, and that allows Spears to pick Boulder up. C4, 1, 2, 3, and then post-match, it's like, I've got to do my thing. <laughs> he just, like, his body, I don't know what it is, it's like this... He's like, no, I need to do the thing as well. And he just grabs the chair like muscle memory and just twats it over Bear Boulder. And we all know why this went the way it did. We did. Um, he has this, like, orgasmic pleasure That's with it. the chair. Like, basically, he's just like everybody else in the world. He saw Bubba Ray Dudley, like, powerbomb Mae Young off the stage and did the eyes roll in the back of his head. Like, that gets way more traction amongst my old school yeah. attitude era mates from school who I catch up with every now and then. And, like, the... The conversation turns to wrestling, and they always talk about. Oh, I remember when Bubba Ray Dudley nearly came over Mae Young because he powerbombed her. <laughs> people like that's indelible. Yeah, that, and I think Sean Spears just really liked that spot as yeah. well. Uh, this was nowhere near as patronizing as I thought it was going to be. It was actually more entertaining as a result. It was mm. just you could go your whole life without never seeing this realistically. Yeah, but the idea is they didn't tell you the story of Sean Spears can be the big guy. Hmm. Wardlow's also a big guy. Maybe he can be him as well. Uh, take the piss out of me, which mm. I'm glad. Yes. They told the story of, I can be a sneak and I can cheat because I'm no match for this big fella, but I can sure as hell cheat against him because I'm a heel. Maybe they can do that against Wardlow as well. So, mm. Especially when the referee in that match is MJF. Yeah, exactly. But I don't even have to hide the cheating on that one. Yeah, so that's it's a decent logical story, Beat that just about in the most kind of obligatory and obvious yes. way 
tells you that Sean Spears does, in fact, have a chance. He doesn't because the match won't happen at double or nothing if he did have a chance, but they're still a, they've still established a storyline thread, which, as you say, MGF could be great value as a referee. Indeed. Uh, he's still there. <laughs> speaking of, uh, of storyline threads, I am fascinated with the ongoing story that is Mark Sterling in AEW. I'm convinced he's going to be in a full body cast by the time we get to the You love that gimmick, don't you? Where yeah, like oh, out, uh, just like, you know, he's associated with Jade Cargill, so he's probably safe there, but he's also with Tony Nese and his tiny knees, and they've got Hookhausen after them, and he just got bloody powerbombed through a table uh, by, uh, by Wardlow on Dynamite. So good stuff here. He's got a crutch and a neck brace on and uh, Lexi Nair's interviewing Mark Sterling uh, about the whole Hookhausen thing. Tony Nese is there as well and she talks about them facing them on the buy-in and Sterling says, I you know, barely own a pair of tights, you know, I can't wrestle on the on this show. Are you kidding me? But Tony Nese is a confident man. Um, he says, don't worry about it. I'm happily, I'll happily batter him two on one. In fact, he's so confident he tells Sterling... Uh, to put 10K on them. What a turnaround for Tony Nese this has been, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. He's just, you know, he's a three-and-a-half-star guy who's just seemed to function and exist as someone the stars can beat in a really good 10-minute match. That's going to get critical acclaim. Um, no, he's an actual character now, and you can be more invested in what he does because the act is so much more entertaining alongside um, Smart Mark Sterling. Literal investment in a character is infectious. If you give them licensed music, that's a clue. Oh, Christ, I'd better pay attention. Same thing with the manager. It just, these little things that Vincent Mann's too tight to do, <laughs> like pay for good music that's actually, you know, recognizable, um, fork out for a manager. They're just little hints that you should care, and it rounds out the act tremendously. It just, it's an enhancement of the act. It's a compliment to the act because it just makes him more entertaining. You still need to do the ab thing. Yeah. The ab thing, if you're just wondering what that is, is that Tony Nice had this idea where, as part of his entrance, he would hit one ab, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and each time a different poof of pyro would go off. Have Sterling in the same gear as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. 
Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful too for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. And then we got the uh, Owen Hart Cup match between Ruby Soho and and Riho is the quarterfinals, uh, of course. And uh, just reminded me why I adore Riho when Ruby Soho's making her entrance and then he cuts to Riho and she's got a finger in her ear. Yeah. <laughs> um, technical wrestling between between Riho and, and Soho uh, starts us off. I already can tell I'm going to butcher this and get the people's names wrong in the wrong place. I'm going to say Riho when I mean Soho. But anyway, Riho goes for a Northern Lights suplex. Um, but uh, Soho power, power bombs her instead, and then Riho hits a double stomp and a forearm in the corner. Um, Soho goes for a double stomp from the top rope, but Riho gets out of the way, and Soho lands and sort of tweaks her knee, and she was selling that throughout the rest of the match. Um, Soho goes to that no-future kick of hers, uh, but Riho counters it and puts her in a leg lock, and there's this great struggle uh, for Ruby Soho to get to the ropes. We go to a break when we come back. Um, again, uh, Riho catches Soho with a Northern Lights suplex for a near fall. They fight up top, and uh, Riho shoves Soho off again. She takes her time getting back to Riho, who's on top because of that um, tweaked knee, and that allows uh, Riho to jump off and hit her with a crossbody. But Soho rolls through and gets a near fall off the back of that. Riho hit a crucifix bomb uh, for, a, uh, for a near fall, and... Uh, it's not the shot kick out face, it's just frustration from her. It's etched all over her face and she throws a bit of a tantrum. And then, uh, I can't remember the order this went in, but I think Soho hit her with like a backdrop driver for a, for a near fall. Riho sat up, Soho went, right, enough of this, and just seemingly kicked her as hard as she possibly can. And I audibly in my kitchen went, bloody hell, like <laughs> that. Um, and then she uh, hit, uh, hit, nailed her with some more strikes, hit the Blade Runner. Uh, Soho gets the one, two, three. She advances uh, with a, a bit of a statement, I thought, that at the end of, and you know, we all kind of can guess where this is heading in this tourney. But, yeah, in terms of uh, rehabbing Ruby Soho's image, to a certain extent, this 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 worked for me. It did work for me. Um, the last two minutes, I thought, were genuinely great. Uh, the backdrop driver just looked like total death, and then she killed her like three more times yeah. before the finish itself. So it did work well uh, to re-establish Ruby Soho, who's genuinely been flagging since a debut. She never reached that peak again. Uh, this obviously wasn't anywhere near that. There was a huge like atmosphere of transformative professional wrestling on the night she debuted. That, that, that wasn't this taped episode of Rampage Baby at 4.30 Eastern or whatever it was, but you know what I mean? It, yeah. was, like, it was better. It was better. But I, just couldn't no, I don't think she was helped either, but remember that spot, and I get why they did it, but the spot with Nyla where Nyla had learnt from the first time she got hit with a riot kick and the second time, well, the yeah, no yeah, future yeah. kick, sorry. And... A lot of people leapt on it as a botch, and it was like, no, the whole point is that she's learned from this, but it wasn't really explained well enough. And I, I think, think the card was marked a little bit by casuals then. Yeah, I think the irony is that they botched the thing. They botched 
what people didn't think was a botch. Mm. No, no, it wasn't a botch. They were doing this, but they also botched it. And it was just this <laughs> yeah. really weird thing. Um, yeah, I just think I think they've brought Soho in because she's a free agent, and it was the theme of the pay per view. And they thought, you know, what would be good if we can get like, um, well, why wouldn't that hire Ruby Soho? She had like glittering reputation, absolutely. And then it, she just hasn't really lived up to it. And I think they've heard the lack of reactions in uh, like a fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth match. The room was off the rose. Her performance level wasn't anywhere near the potential she has. And it just felt like she's just been there. This is a, a, a match designed to make her feel like, no, she could be a valuable player and asset going forward. She's not just there. But the problem is that she's been just there for so long that the first, what, six, seven minutes of this competently wrestled match didn't feel exciting, didn't feel big time, didn't feel like a proper tournament match with stakes and intrigue about who the winner was. Um, it just kind of existed. It, it existed well enough. Last two minutes were very, very promising. Yeah, yeah really like the last couple of minutes here. Um, and yes, Soho advances in the tournament. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. Before that, though, we go backstage where the Acclaimed and the Gun Club are there and Billy Gunn is... is is giving them some life life lessons on on forming a faction, um, and uh, he's he's telling them the essentials that they need, not just you know great in ring wrestling, which they already have, of course. This is, this is great. It's just so good. They need they need hand gestures, uh, and uh, <laughs> I can't remember whether it was your Colton or Austin. Like, ooh ooh, oh, dad dad, I got one. Okay, what if we uh, what if we like <laughs> chop our crotches and tell me suck it. Oh, yeah, the, sorry, the socket came afterwards. But why if we chop our, chop our crotch? And he's like, nah, I'll never go over. And they go, and then suddenly the claim go, all right, what about this? The best <laughs> thing is, is that... Right, we'll do it. We're doing the scissoring. So, uh, so Anthony Bowens goes... <laughs> and Max Caster, if you replay it... Max Caster just goes, ah! <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. Just like it's like a source of physical pain to him. I don't know why he pops me. He's so abstract, and wacky, and irreverent. I don't <laughs> yeah, know what I love he's it. doing. Just so funny. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> so I think it was Colton, uh, Colton Gun. Uh, then when he says, "What well, you need like a good like a catchphrase or something," and he's like, "What about sucker?" Like nah nah, it's not gonna work. And so Max Caster says, "What about yo? Listen." And they say it like three times. Like he doesn't just go, "What about yo? Listen." He's like, "What about yo? Listen." You know, think about it. Yo, listen. Yo, listen. And he's like, nailed it. I, I love how much Billy Gunn was into it. Like yeah yeah, that's it. That's changing. That's really good. That's good. Like I love idiots having misplaced confidence yes. in themselves. It's a big device that they use and it's always sunny. Yes. They hatch the stupidest plan. <laughs> yes. That's never going to work in and of itself, but also because the last eight seasons worth of plans <laughs> yes. and get rich quick schemes haven't worked. And yet I love how high they got on these ideas <laughs> like, and the enthusiasm. Oh my God, it. we figured it. Honestly, it's, it's always sunny caliber. I can't believe how much I love this. And uh, Billy Gunn reveals that not only have they, has he formed this new faction for them and they've, they've now decided gestures and catchphrases, he's got them a match on AEW. <laughs> Dark Elevation. But again, they're going, Dynamite? <laughs> they're talking themselves down Rampage? And they're talking themselves up, what about double or nothing? Elevation. <laughs> and you expect them to go, oh. they go, yes! Max cast this spit water out. <laughs> yeah, like it was yeah. like... 
spit take like it was the biggest thing in the world. What? Dark elevation. I'm so excited to see these four. Well, five, arguably. Together. Uh, uh, this is awesome. This is genuinely so funny. Uh, yeah, good stuff, this, and it continued. Uh, it makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> no, no, yeah, sorry, to clarify. Yeah, just to clarify, why would two tag teams who are in the competing division join a stable? Surely there's an awkward question gets asked of, all right, if we if we gather some wins together in four-man tags for which there's not even a rumoured title, so why yeah, would you Yeah, the, even the trios one's out of reach. Who gets the... Maybe they could do a three-way? Oh, yeah. I suppose, arguably, they could do, like, the Freebird rule with the trios titles, like, three out of the four of them, or three out of the five of them, even. Even if this... Imagine if, imagine if, sorry, imagine if the people who won the trios titles as part of this faction were the acclaimed and Billy Gunn. I know, it'd be amazing. (laughs) I would like them to just say that once. Yes. For there to be a logical reason why this is happening, but at the same time, that's such a pedantic and porn take, because this is just really, really, really amusing. Uh, so the baddies come out. Uh, love the baddies. All of us at What Culture do. Uh, Mark Sterling again hobbling down to the ring. He's taking on too many clients, to be perfectly honest. Um, and uh, they're there, and they've got the the fans made out of money and the the baddies section. But before um, we can really get into them showing off, Tony Schiavone announces that Hikaru Shida was injured during the street fight with Serena Deeb, and therefore will not be facing Red Velvet. In the Owen Hart Cup. Cut the shiz, Tony, says Jade Cargill, and make sure that we get a shot of the baddie section. And uh, Sterling says, yeah, well, I looked at the rules, and uh, by my count, that means that Red Velvet should effectively get a bye to the semifinals. But uh, Tony says something along the lines of, unfortunately, I can't cut that right now, Jade, because I have to inform you and the rest of the baddies, and specifically you, Red Velvet, you'll be facing... Replacing Kakara Shida is a longtime friend of yours, the returning Chris Statlander. And the, the, is the word dichotomy? The difference between Jade Cargill just laughing and Red Velvet being like, oh, for yeah. was just great here. And, and, and Chris Statlander, as we speculated on Friday, uh, the perfect replacement. What's going on with Hikaru Shida? Yeah, that's this a is, big This question. is troubling, this. Because I don't know if someone is up somewhere... And I don't know who, and it's not a good look for the promotion, whoever has. Has whoever greenlights, and ultimately it's Tony Khan, whoever greenlights and says, right, you can do this indie date, or you can go away and do stuff in a different country or continent for X amount of time. Has he double booked it? Mm. And obviously you can't say this on television. So they've said, oh, the lingering effects of the injury. But this pisses me off as well because say they've double-booked her or they've allowed her to do something which clashes with their plan, they can't turn around and say, oh, we messed this one up, guys, so she does not the tournament because that makes them look inept. WCW-esque, mm. right? And the thing about AEW, it's not like WWE where like they could just send someone to an NXT house show or whatever and no one cares, or like live events don't count in in WWE. Yeah. In AEW, all wrestling is wrestling. They'll reference things that happen in WWE, could like inform storylines. One of the biggest matches they had in its early infancy was Chris Jericho versus John Moxley at Revolution. Lest we forget, those storyline seeds were planted when Chris Jericho alluded to their history in WWE by saying that he was a mentor to Moxley. And, you know, we can continue that... In AEW, if you join the inner circle, that all stemmed from yep. a WWE thing. 
We've had um, storylines like the entire Elite stuff took root in New Japan Pro Wrestling, of course. That's been a consistent narrative thread. Um, CM Punk stuff in Ring of Honor. All wrestling is wrestling. All wrestling in AEW is wrestling. So they can't then say, oh, she's injured. She hasn't been wrestling. Well, she has because all the promotions <laughs> yeah. count. So you can't keep saying that. So either they've not realized that they've let Sheeta wrestle elsewhere, not realizing it clashes with their schedule, but they can't turn around and say it, even though it's obvious because it just represents a PR misfire. We are stupid and terrible at mm. organization. Or, or they've simply decided to change their minds without communicating to Sheeta that she was no longer in the tournament. And Sheeta's had a very natural response of saying, what on earth is this? Do you not care about me? Because yeah. lest we forget, this isn't the first time that Hikaru Shida has expressed misgivings about her treatment and feeling isolated and worrying that um, Tony Khan doesn't care about um, her style of wrestling. She's done this twice now, mm -hmm. which really troubles me. So either one or two things has happened. I know I've gone a long way around about this. They've realized, uh, double booked or whatever, but we are going to kayfabe that we haven't and that she's injured. And that's left Sheeta a little bit annoyed because she's got her integrity correct, integrity to protect, and she's alluded to, oh, well, you know, I can't be injured. Don't make me feel like a liar or weak as a baby face. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say this on Twitter. Or they just bounced throughout the tournament because they wanted Statlander in it. And they couldn't, and they've changed their minds, which is shocking as well. And mm. she is naturally right to say, "Well, hang on, I'm not injured, so you can't do that to me." It's all a bit not nice, and no. it's and it's another continuation of them allegedly ghosting Janella and Stunt when they had no use for them anymore. Um, communicate things, be nice. Yeah, you're the babyface company. Exactly. This is the new conflation. Sorry, I'm talking a lot, and I'm no, it's, it's, it's you're, you're right in what you're saying as well. But this is just like it leads me to another point. The other babyface company, they should be nice to their talents as a result. Mm -hmm. That's one point. Just as an aside, because we haven't really had the chance to talk about the Maxwell Jacob Friedman stuff. Yeah. What if he asks for his release? There's murmurings that he's a lot unhappier than I'm just not being paid CM Punk, Adam Cole, money, Daniel, some money, and I think given what I've contributed to the company, I deserve it. If he's really unhappy and he can't get past this, I should be getting paid way more. I want to get out. Does AEW release him? Because the the whole MO, modus operandi of the company, which fans will love that one, mm -hmm. is that we're the babyfaces. WWE is the enemy. They are the heels. We can be the babyface company. We can let guys cut unscripted promos. They don't necessarily have to be six foot five, shredded and built to get over if they've got the talent. Um, they can work outside dates um, with approval and planning and all the rest of it. Um we're generally just a nicer company. What happens when the first AEW wrestler, and it could well be MGF, for example, just says, nah, I want to leave. Do they let them? Because it's a heel thing when WWE traps your Mustafa Ali's, your mm -hmm. Neville's, um, your FTR's, your Brody Lee's. Um, that's just a very interesting question to ponder. More yeah. interesting than the main event. Yeah, let's get to that main event. It was Frankie Kazarian versus Scorpio Sky for the TNT Championship. And uh, arguably this face-to-face -face was less about Frankie and Sky and more about the relationship between Sky and the, the rest of that men of the year stable because uh, um, Sky's asked if he's ready and... Uh, Ethan Page cuts across Scorpio Sky and says, of course he's ready and, and it's mad that we even have to defend this title. Sky said, no, I'm, I'm keeping my 
given my word to a friend of mine. Dan Lambert says, why? And, uh, you know, Scorpio Sky defends his friend. And uh, Kazarian says, look, I don't understand why you're you're talking across Scorpio Sky. And Scorpio Sky talks about winning championships before the men of the year and tells Scorpio, sorry, tells uh, Ethan Page and Dan Lambert, I don't want you at ringside. Take the night off. An ominous sign of things to come ahead of, over to Mark Henry. Well, looks like we've had enough time. It's time for the main event. Uh, and uh, also Sammy Guevara and Take Conti was pictured at ringside as well. And uh, there's some great countering throughout this match. The story is these two obviously know each other incredibly well. Early on, Sky goes for a Russian leg sweep, and Kaz uh, counters it with a backslide that gets a nice an early near fall. Uh, they're battling for a suplex, and Kaz wins the battle and uh, hits him with a fisherman suplex. Uh, but then Sky sends Kaz out to the floor and hits him with a tope. We go to a break. When we come back, uh, Kazarian hit a slingshot into an Oklahoma roll for a nice two count. Follows that up with a lariat. Goes for a springboard, but Sky catches him in the electric chair position. He's trying to set him up for the TKO, but Kazarian counters it. He goes for that chicken wing, but Sky breaks free using a chin breaker. There's a great bit with Sky on the uh, on the outside, and he gets slingshotted back into the ring to allow Kaz to hit him with a beautiful cutter uh, for a two count. He keeps going for the chicken wing, and they're really putting it over on commentary, which was helpful to me because I haven't seen Kaz wrestle in bloody ages for them saying, you know, this is the sort of... If he gets this, it's all over, basically. Uh, again, as I said, Scorpio Sky keeps trying to counter it, but the third time, Kaz locks it on. Sky does that thing where he tries to push uh, off the ropes, off the turnbuckle, but Kaz sees it coming, blocks it, and uses that to uh, keep them centra- uh, centralized in the middle of the ring. And Scorpio Sky is fading and fading. as This is the TNT Championship heading to Frankie Kazarian. Well, in the midst of all this, Dan Lambert runs down to the ring. He uh, he jumps up on the apron, takes the referee, uh, and it looks like Scorpio Sky is completely out of it. Ethan Page, though, sneaks in and twats Kazarian on the back of the head with a TNT championship. He collapses. Sky collapses. Sky's out cold, but he so happens to have collapsed on top of um, Kazarian. That gets him a two-count. Kazarian just kicks out. Both men sort of recover, realize where they are, and as they are struggling to get to their feet, Sky pops up and catches Kazarian with the TKO to get the 1-2-3 and retain the TNT Championship. Uh, Post-match, Sammy and Tay, they're looking disappointed with the way things have gone down. Sammy feels justified in warning uh, Kazarian about what Scorpio Sky's really like now. Sky, though, he hasn't got a bloody clue what's gone on. So he leads the fans in, in being appreciative for his opponent and goes to shake his hand. But Kaz isn't having any of it. And he tries to explain that your bloody mate twatted me on the back of the head with a belt. And that's why the reason that the match went as it did. And uh, Sky confronts Page and uh, George Jackin and Lambert's kind of in between them. And Ethan Page can't even look at Scorpio Sky. And Page yells at him and says, yeah, yeah, I did do it. I did do it. I did it for us. Whose freaking team are you on? And there's a moment when they're forehead to forehead and you think, oh my God, is the men of the year going to implode? Psych! Sky grabs the TNT Championship, levels Kazarian with it. They beat him down and uh, Lambert ass shouts about a, 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 a great plan coming together once again. Um, and he asks Sammy Guevara where he and Horhausen were going. They run in to chase Lambert and they're many the year away, but Scorpio Sky is still, Michael Sidgwick, your TNT champion. What the hell is this? What the hell is all of this? 
I'll give them this. In a match involving Scorpio Sky and Frankie Kazarian in 2022, I actually had a lot of feelings about this, which I did not expect going in. Half of them are terrible, and they drastically outweigh what was good about this match. As you said, the storytelling. I love a, I love a great counter. I love great counters in character, and this was sort of overflowing with really nice storytelling detail that doubled as cool action, dramatic, slick counter-wrestling that worked as well as it did because each man is intimately familiar with the other, having been close friends for forever, mm-hmm. former tag team champions. They had a story with credibility, and they told it really quite nicely. At the same time, there was a drab, flat quality to the atmosphere because no one really takes Frankie Kazarian seriously as a challenger, nor does Scorpio Sky, whose character is incredibly unfocused, um, have much credibility as a TNT champion when he's saying he's going to do these things, but he's telling, not showing. Like Miro didn't say, I want to make a great TNT champion, me. He just simply was. Ditto Cody Rhodes, ditto Brody Lee, um, ditto Darby Allen. Mm-hmm. If you have to keep saying you're a good champion... Chances are it's because you're not and you're trying to sell something that a lot of people aren't buying. And the vast majority of people didn't buy this match, nor the people involved, until for the last three minutes, it got pretty goddamn awesome. They got elusive chants of this is awesome and genuine um, gasps of the near falls. Um, Slingshot cutter. That slingshot cutter was incredible. It looked like... um, it looked better for being very slightly overshot because <laughs> yeah. he's kind of like face just smacked off a part of Kazarian's body and just slipped past him. It just looked like death. Um, and then he got the TV finish that I just didn't really want AEW to do as often as it does, but this is what I think AEW is now, much to my chagrin. And uh, so it was pretty solid and well worked if drab and no one cared about it that much for the vast majority of the duration, which is the worst kind of match because you feel bad dumping on it. But it's just like, well, it's it's not working, is it? Because Mm. no one that cares about it, even if the actual wrestling is good. Uh, It doesn't really feel alive, vibrant, like momentous in any way, special, not like that. And then the last three minutes are great, and you get on side, and you're stupid to do that because they're going to do some stupid booking decision, which they did at the end. This, who am I meant to not hate? Yeah, this, this is my exact question. Yeah. Who am I meant to not hate in this thing that they are still senselessly proceeding with? Just get it on the next dynamite that isn't full already. Get that TNT title off Scorpio Sky. Take the entire group of people, particularly Dan Lambert, who can just piss off at this point, off telly, clear a day from your busy schedule, Tony Khan, because he's he's got Fulham, he's got the Jaguars, he's got AEW, and... He's obviously so busy that various acts he doesn't have any plans for. Lance Archer. Um, it's better to have no plans than have these plans because they're terrible. Who am I meant to not hate the most at hopefully not double or nothing when this match happens? The last AEW pay-per-views, the last three, have been incredible seminal events. Kind of breaks my heart, but at the same time they deserve to get the reaction because when this happens, I just think everyone's going to hate it. Scorpio Sky and Paige Van Zandt, who's disappeared, mm. versus Dare Take On Eight and Sammy Guevara. I thought they'd finally realized, right, everyone hates Sammy Guevara. I don't think the reasons are particularly valid. He's just got a nice life on social media. That is a <laughs> fictional character. You shouldn't judge. But whatever, this is, it's blurry. It's happened. He's turned heel. And... Uh, I thought they'd solved this. 
I thought what they could do is they could do the mixed tag. All the while, Ethan Page gets more pissed off that Scorpio Sky is not taking shortcuts and that he's risking losing the title. And then Page Van Zandt wins because the debut- debutante has to win. And then it all forms this storyline where it's Scorpio Sky versus Ethan Page because one of them has to be a baby face because Sammy Guevara isn't. How about turn them all heel instead and they're all misogynistic heels? I, I hate this so much. It, I'm baffled. Do you know what I thought watching this? Because I felt the same way. Where I was like, you know, I've been out of the loop a little bit and I was like, so Scorpio Sky's a baby face now and then, but then he's there with the men a year and like you say, and he's fighting his friend and we all can kind of see where this is going. This is and Vince Russo stuff. Yeah, so then it, it, he turns heel. So I'm like, so he's a heel. The whole many years a heel. Sammy and Tay are still are still heels in in many people's eyes, even if they're booked as baby faces, right? Do you know, what I thought, I thought, well at least, <laughs> well at least Tay Connie hasn't been slut shamed this episode. Yeah, I'm against the microphone. I was like, well, it's just it's Vince Russo booking. Yeah, I agree, and I cannot believe I've ever said that about AEW, and it's that's a bit of a bummer, isn't it? Mm, indeed, it's a bummer. Indeed. Uh, well, things will hopefully improve on Dynamite this week, which we've got lots to look forward to. Um, but yes, this needs a lot of attention without question. Oh, why? Because, you know, TNT Championship previously was was in, held in such high regard, and it's it feels like it's you know I'm not going to do the whole legacy intercontinental championship. This is a different. This is a legitimate concern. Um, but yeah, it's, the, the whole thing's really this storyline, the title, everything's kind of lost its way recently, and. Uh, yeah, this was a sort of microcosm of all of that. Staggering. Staggering. Let us know your thoughts on AW Rampage on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch, they can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at M. Sidgwick. Still get his brilliant book all about AW, guys. Becoming All Elite, The Rise of AW is available on Amazon right now. You can follow me on Twitter at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE, as I said. Uh, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. The SmackDown review is available right now. The Raw preview is coming later on today. And, of course, as I mentioned, our AEW Dynamite preview will be coming your way on Wednesday, so make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling to get that in your feed. But for now, this has been the AW Rampage Review. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.